This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Today, we want to talk about specificity in content. This is an interesting topic. I ran across Tamara Sykes. She's a, a content strategist, specialist, digital guru uh, based in Columbus, Ohio. I'm not going to hold it against her. Um, we are in Big Ten country here. Go Hawkeyes. But I don't I have no idea if she cares about the Buckeyes football team or not. But either way, go Hawkeyes all the way. But but and I, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. So it's interesting about specificity. It's hard. It's hard because everybody can say the same old bland crap. This is the best podcast ever. Why are you the best? Because I said I'm the best. We came up with that in my marketing meeting. You know what I mean? So how do we get more specificity? Why do we need it? And what's too much? So you know what? I just thought about that. I covered a basketball tournament, NCAA basketball tournament, in like 1999 in St. Louis. And this reporter, who actually won an award for this article, wrote about how I think it was Valparaiso or maybe Gonzaga, something like that. And he had details from how the players took their, their, their gum wrappers and threw them away. What the heck do I care? So there has to be a line probably somewhere, but we will ask the expert. We'll get her out of the green room here. Tamara Sykes, welcome to the show. Thanks for making the time. Go Hawkeyes. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I am not really into sports, so I, I don't have any say on that. But I do have to say go Steelers because my husband is a Steelers fan. So, Go Steelers. Well, so the Iowa Hawkeyes actually, when Hayden Fry came to them in 1978, I was not in Iowa at that time or in the world even. But um, they copied the Pittsburgh Steelers uniforms because they wanted to be a better team. And the Steelers were really good. So... There you go. Enough sports talk. This is not a sports show. So tell us about specificity. Why does it matter? Why do we care? Why is this a topic we're talking about? Okay, so why does it matter? Number one, it matters to the audience that you're trying to reach. It matters to your business's bottom line. If you can't reach the audience that you need or that needs your product or service, then no go right um and that's basically it you have to make sure you're talking their language you're speaking directly to them to the problems that they have so that they can then pay attention to you and notice that you are the solution that they've been looking for (laughs) this whole time that i mean sounds so simple but Mm -hmm. i mean when i'm reading content you know and i was kind of joking about that that sports writer but I see content like that all the time, you know, mm-hmm. like when I um, I don't really cook, 
honestly, you know, too much other than the stuff you can put in the microwave. But but yeah. you see like the rest some recipe sites, they get they tell you when I was a child, I ate this meal every Sunday night. Oh dear. And then afterwards, we cuddled on the couch and all went to, do you know what I'm saying? I'm like, just give me the recipe. <laughs> so, so what specificity means is like, that's relevant. That's, um, you know, depends on the situation, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really depends. That's why it's important to really understand who you're talking to. I know we're going to talk about how to become more specific later on, but for that food blogger, food bloggers get the worst like, reputation for this. But the thing is, if they are talking to a mom, for example, if their main audience is a mom, then that kind of content really helps because for parents, moms, we tend to want to know more of the storyline, like why, what was the context? And we want to feel drawn in. We just want, we don't just want the recipe. Now, if you're talking to someone else who's not really into cooking or like could care less about the story, it's just, it's not for them. So I think when you're looking at even food bloggers, that's really what's going on there. It's like, they're really catering to their specific audience. It doesn't mean they couldn't switch it up a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's about who they're trying to talk to. So that's a fantastic comment, actually, because, you know, at the end of the day, like, if I'm not the target audience, they, mm -hmm. they don't care whether Correct. I like their content or not, right? And, Correct. But the mom, the mom who might want to read that first, and you know feel however she feels about it for for them it might be might be the right specificity i guess exactly yeah like being specific in content doesn't just have to do with the language it has to do with the approach so again if if i'm a if i'm a parent or i'm just someone who loves cooking and i want to know the whole experience then that story does matter to me but if i'm someone like if i say myself personally i don't really like cooking a lot. And if I do, I like to be in the kitchen for 30 minutes or less. So if I'm reading your story and it's going to take up more of that 30 minutes, it's not helpful to me. Even though I'm a parent, I'm still not within your target audience. So again, even the context and how you present the information is a part of being specific. Very, very interesting. And the other thing I think we need to remember too. So last, I think it was last year, maybe the year before when I, I applied for a job and they said, Oh, well, you're in Iowa. You know, this is only for wherever, LA metro area. We only advertise it in the LA metro area. But like nothing is truly local anymore, right? Nothing is, if I'm writing it for you. That doesn't mean everybody else is not even meant to be my audience. They can still access it, they can still find yeah. it. And sometimes they do. So it's kind of interesting, which of course that makes for interesting discussions because if I'm vocal about it, I might leave a comment and say, just get to the point. I want the rest, <laughs> um, which you know they can take. I know we're gonna we're gonna beat this um, story to death here. I think, um, but yeah. So that's kind of how it goes. Now, when you, however, when we start thinking about specificity, now I know John Mueller, for example, over at Google, keeps telling everybody that length of content doesn't matter for SEO. And I, I like to believe it. I mean, some content that that was really short that I wrote did rank, but mm -hmm. it was still super specific. And I'll give you an example. When there's a new feature out, I go pretty deep how to use it. And sometimes right. that's only 500 words because it's a lot of pictures, right? So right. it's still pretty short, but it's super specific. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Now, other content goes, like I just finished an article, you know, like 3,000 words, and it goes into all kinds of different things and, and whatnot. So how specific do you need to get, and, and how do you decide what's important and what's not? Right. Uh, I would definitely say it depends on the topic you're writing about, and it, again, it depends on the t- your audience. For example, if you're talking to a parent, right, I keep using parents because I'm one, but if you're talking to a parent... We have very little time, very little time. So it's important for you to consider like, how do I structure my content? And what do I include that's actually going to be helpful for them? Because we all know Google is looking at how valuable this is for the intended user. You know what I mean? So it really is about like, if you're going to write about I'm trying to think of what, but like shopping, grocery shopping. We're going to get off the food bloggers for a second. <laughs> We're talking about grocery shopping. It's definitely one of those, you know, what would that person need to know? What would actually help them in their life? And only include that. I'm sure you can add more things later. Or if you decide to have a secondary audience, you can definitely create a top, like a post specifically for them or add in more information. But you have to think about your primary target audience. What do they need? What do they need first? And then structure your content that way. It's like, I mean, it's basic journalism, right? What, what do people care about? Yeah. And then um, I, I don't usually use the inverted pyramid style for, for web content all that often. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, you want to make sure people understand it. And sometimes it has to do too how you format the content, right? I mean, it's right. so when right. I grew up as a journalist, we just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and forget about paragraph breaks. That was not a thing. <laughs> but, we did, but we did do two two periods behind a space. Mm, okay. Uh-huh. But, you know, <laughs> but it also comes down to that, right? To have mm-hmm. the right specificity in the right places, like the headlines, pull-out quotes, images, video, audio, whatever, right? Yes, yeah, like... Simple things like doing bullet points, learning maybe to insert a video instead of doing more words, maybe putting an image. Uh, You could also do like an all text post and then do an audio version of it. So someone who's like busier can just listen to you, like listen to your post instead of like reading it. Like those are all different formats you need to, you know, make room for. Now, this really goes back to have you done your research on who you're talking to? If you haven't done your research on who you're talking to, then you could potentially just try to do everything and almost confuse your audience or make it more frustrating for them. So the key is you need to know your audience inside and out, create a buyer persona. Um, even if you don't like that term, just create some sort of quick cheat sheet that you can always look at to understand who your audience is and let that inform how you structure your post or your content on your site. Yeah, and my, one of my um, favorite stories still is I was working with a healthcare system outside Chicago or healthcare provider, I guess is the better term. And they had a persona called Susan and they literally were in meetings and they would say to each other, nah, Susan wouldn't, Susan wouldn't care about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think Susan would find that interesting. And it's really interesting because it really can help you create better content just knowing mm-hmm. Who, who you have to talk to. How about like keyword research? I mean, I always find keyword research fascinating because, there, you know, I have a term in my mind, this is what I think the topic is. And then I search for something 
and I see what people are actually searching for, right? Mm -hmm. What are the actual verbiage? So I adjust my verbiage. I mean, is that is that part of it to, to figure out what to even become more specific about as opposed to um, what, what to glance over? Yes, definitely. I have a great example for this because I have a client that actually brought, like we have been going through this for a while. Um, we're using like IEP education. When I say that phrase, it's a keyword, doesn't really click with a lot of people, right? And in this case, the intended audience is parents. Now, what a parent does know, the words that they would use is special education. Um, so yeah, both great keywords. But if you're just using IEP education, you're going to end up talking to the experts who know what that means. And so in your keyword research, you really have to focus on what's actually relatable to the people who are top of funnel. How will they actually find me? It doesn't mean that you completely remove the expert keyword or the keyword that, again, really describes what is the profession that you do or the industry. But they're not going to find it that way. <laughs> like, just be honest. They're not going to find it just typing in this really fancy industry-specific keyword. So you need to really look at what is top of funnel. A lot of times, especially in SEO keyword research, we have to remember, especially if you're new to SEO and you're creating content, you want to get caught up in, oh my gosh, this has zero searches and it's super specific. No, you still have to, like, again, mention that keyword, but when you're doing keyword research, remember that all of your audience does not know what you're talking about if you use a very industry-specific term. So you have to be relatable. Like, that's really the point. And it goes back to, you have a persona. You mentioned Susan, right? Mm -hmm. If Susan doesn't understand <laughs> what the other phrase is, find something else that she understands that's related. Yeah, so you can. So what's interesting about that comment actually on um, IEP? So my wife is a special education teacher, and when you said that term, I was like, "Oh, sounds familiar." IEP. <laughs> and so I've heard that before, right? But it even wasn't top of mind for me. And I think um, parents who have children in in special ed certainly mm -hmm. will know what that is at Correct. some point, right? Because they go to IEP meetings or whatever. Correct. But if you're but if you're top of the funnel. They're not. They're not going to know, right? They're not going yeah. to. Um, they're not going to think about that term, guys. If you're watching or listening, doesn't make any difference. I mean, you can leave a voicemail with your questions, and I try to answer them on future episodes. Um, be warned, your voicemail might be used on air. So no swearing, but send some good voicemails in. I always appreciate to hear from from everybody out there. Now. When it comes, so, so I'm not the expert at anything, honestly. I'm, <laughs> if you need to call me an expert, you can call me an expert in content. Okay. But I'm not the expert at any subject matter per se, right? So for me to create content or do any content strategy in, in any industry, I have to talk to the experts. And I find it hard to believe that there's very many content marketers who are also the subject matter experts in an industry. I think you become better over time mm -hmm. and you know more and you understand the nuances and whatever. True. But I don't think you can, I don't think there's very many people who are necessarily both and are good at both. Um, right. <laughs> true. Very true. So, so I think one way to get more specificity to like, you go talk to the experts, right? You interview mm -hmm. them on your live stream, you interview them on your podcast and then you write about it or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, is that one way to get more specific content or what else, um, how, what else would you recommend? 
definitely would recommend that. It's definitely an approach that journalists use. And I find that a lot of content marketers and content creators, like they don't use this technique and I'm not sure why, but it, again, if you're talking about topics that are going to be relatable to your audience, if you, for example, if we're even using food blogging, I mean, in that case, you're probably the expert, but if you incorporated like commentary from a dietitian or a nutritionist or a chef, that goes a long way to proving valuable to me, especially if like, again, I am maybe a parent who wants to eat healthier, you know, like when you start getting specific, who are the people that your audience would love to hear from and actually value very highly? Like doing that again, we know journalists do that. We see it in the news all the time. So when you create as an option. Another thing you is finding any, so I mean like charts, statistics, things like that, including it in your content is a great way to be more specific and prove your point and show how valuable you are. I mean, Google loves it. Other search engines love it and people love it. If you can prove to me why I should pay attention to how your approach, like what your approach is, what your solution is, what your product is, what your service is, then it definitely ends up being like, again, more valuable, more specific. And now I'm going to trust you, which is the, at the end of the day, that's why you're being specific because you want them to trust you. I, you said, I don't know why content marketers don't do it. Journalists do it all the time. Yeah. I've been thinking about that question for a long time. And I, I think I may have a potential answer. I, I don't know. Okay. Maybe, okay. maybe not, but maybe <laughs> potentially. And I think, I think my answer is, when you were back in the, the old days of marketing, mm-hmm. you, I don't think people went to the experts, right? But yeah. it was different because you created like one campaign, like now, you know, like in the next six months, you did like mm-hmm. a big ad, ad campaign and you didn't have to know, like you didn't have to know everything. You just had to know like the really high level and then you were creative about it, right? And you created mm-hmm. a campaign around it. But now, I mean, think about this, right? We're talking here 20 minutes already. We'll probably go another 10 minutes or, or something like that. Like, yeah. I don't think that used to be a thing 15 years ago for marketers, right? Like 15 oh, yeah. years ago, we'd, we'd run a campaign and you didn't have to know everything. Mm-hmm. And But I, I think it's just a disservice. And it's kind of unfair to content marketers to think they can sit in their little writing room and write content without talking to anybody. I think that's crazy talk, don't you? I do, but I mean, I just feel like that's just so normal now that like I don't everyone thinks to even try to talk to someone is more taboo than just, you know, <clears throat> getting content done. I maybe it's because with content marketing everyone is trying to like rush and like get more quantity out and if you have to again talk to someone and like get more expert insight your quality becomes more important than how much you get out there. So that's probably why it's something that it hasn't been adopted like as a consistent practice. It's probably why. Yeah, but where do writers get their content? They just make it up. They don't have any idea what they're talking about if they don't talk <laughs> to anybody or if they're not in the business. I mean, I can sit here and I, you know, like what am I writing a novel about uh whatever, you know, whatever the topic mm-hmm. is. Um Really quickly, guys, as you know, I am a big fan of live streaming. Live stream with switcherstudio.com. Um, Trap One. And in case you guys didn't know, I produced the show directly on my iPad. 
looks like this. So super easy to produce. And then after the fact here, we will turn the whole thing into a podcast. So it's super easy to do. Hopefully you guys check it out. The other thing, uh, what's your opinion about, and it's okay if you disagree with me. I mean, you already have, and I, I do appreciate that when yeah. people come on here and, and, and share whatever they want to share as opposed to just saying, Christoph, you're right. It throws me crazy um, <laughs> when I'm not, you know, especially. So, but live streaming is another one where you can get a lot of specificity, right? Because mm-hmm. you can have a conversation, you can talk. What's your opinion on tying live streaming and podcasting into your overall strategy? I have a very polarizing opinion on this. I feel like it, I keep saying this the entire podcast, but it really depends on who you're trying to reach and you need to make sure in some way it works with your lifestyle. Um, An example I can pull from the pandemic, keep using parenting as an example. Like I have a daughter, Um, live streaming for me, especially later in the day does not work. I mean, I would be yelling at my daughter. Well, not trying not to yell at her, but being like, hey, like she would be jumping in the conversation and that's not going to work if I'm trying to have a very specific type of conversation, like talking about SEO stats, like it's just not going to work. Now, if I'm doing a mom blogging thing, that works. I mean, that's my life. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. But in again, the type of distribution that you choose for your marketing and your content really has to, again, align with your audience and who you are. If it's out of alignment, everyone can tell. And I don't care how specific you get. It just, I, I don't trust you because I can tell it's fake, right? This is now where like being specific and being authentic needs to be, again, in agreement. <laughs> so my, what my question is, how is that polarizing? Because, I mean, really your answer is it depends, right? It, because, I mean, but that's like the answer for everything. I mean, if it's... <laughs> True. That is re- actually... I have a t-shirt. I don't have it on right now. I got my content performance t-shirt on that says it depends. So, but I would even argue that on this show, Mm -hmm. it's okay to have your daughter run across the screen. And because one of the things I keep preaching to people over and over is I'm like, look, it's live stuff happens. The other day I had Sarah Marsky on the, on the show. And we talked about um, cultural um, intercultural marketing. That's not the right way. Multicultural? Um, it's multicultural marketing. Uh, you know, how to reach Hispanic audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I completely lost her in the middle of the live stream. Like she just disappeared. Okay. She doesn't know what happened. I don't know what happened, but she came back and I just talked. And then we all went like, oh, stuff happens moving mm-hmm. on, you know? So I think, I don't know if your point is, I don't know if it is or not, but if some people make the point anyways, it has to be so buttoned up, so formal. Stuff can't happen, you know? Mm-hmm. I disagree. I think most industries, unless you're in court virtually or something and you're an attorney, that might be different. But like all these shows, be a human. Be real. Right. Dive exactly. into the details, right? And have a conversation. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think it really depends on who you are as a person. Now, I, I don't mind. And I've, I mean, at this point, anyone I've talked to has in some point seen my daughter, heard her. It could be a DM. It could be anything. She's at daycare today. But the point is, I'm OK with that. But if you if that's not aligned with who you are, then I just avoid it. Because, again, it's going to come through that frustration. It's just it's it's not a good look. Now, again, you still have to choose 
what kind of platforms you're willing to use. I think the reason my, like my view is a little bit polarizing is because a lot of people try to tell content creators, they have to use everything, like use every single option out there. And then you end up with a content marketer, content creator who is basically so strapped for bandwidth that they're not able to create quality content, far less quantity, the quantity of content they want to create. And now you have a problem. They can't be specific. They can't be just thinking Mm -hmm. about their audience because they're trying to do it all. And that's why I say it's polarizing because right now, if you got on Twitter, everyone's saying use something different. Use TikTok, use Reels, use Twitter, use Spaces, use podcasts, use audio. Like there's an endless set of advice to use every single like aspect of a marketing platform that you can think to get your content out there. And it's just like, okay, like if it doesn't align with who you are, just leave it alone. You're au- just make sure that your audience is where you are intending to go that aligns with who you are and you'll be okay. Well, it's impossible to literally use every platform out there, but exactly. so, I, I mean, I agree with you. I guess it is polarizing. I'm agreeing with you though. So, <laughs> um, right. Boom. We Yay. can be done. Where's my, where's my sound effect? You know what? They did add sound effects here the other day. Um, okay. Here. Ready? Hold on. Yeah. that. <laughs> That's the right one, and I call, I got it in here. It took a little, took a moment, but anyway, I don't use the sound effects all that often. Um, so when it comes to using all these channels, I mm-hmm. am I am a big big believer in create once, publish everywhere. Mm-hmm. So what that means is use as many channels as possible. But I, I I look at the return. I'll give you an example. So this show, right? We're streaming to LinkedIn, to Amazon, to YouTube, to Twitter to Facebook, YouTube is by far the least performing channel. And I don't care because here's the reason why. I mean, it would be nice if it would be better, but (laughs) I don't care because it's the same amount of work to -hmm. go to YouTube and all the other channels as it is to go to only Amazon or only LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Then the podcast version goes to 16 other channels, right? Apple, Pandora, Amazon Music, Spotify, blah, 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 Google, for me to send it to 16 channels is exactly the same amount of work as it is to send it to one channel. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I would do it. Now, if I were to write an article about this show, which I may or may not do, I don't I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. That's the most amount of work for probably the least return out of the gate, right? Long term, right, yeah. it might work. But, right. but short term, it might be the least because, you know, we'll have, I don't know, maybe a thousand people watching. I don't, I don't know. I'm guessing the numbers here a little bit. So it's also you got to look at what can you tie together, right? So when people say to me, why aren't you using Clubhouse? I say, because it's a standalone thing. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You know? Yes, that's exactly what it is. You get a lot of pushback on that? Yeah, I, I do. I feel like if it's you can incorporate everything, like again, in this case, you have Switcher Studio, so you're able to like do this all at once, right? Whereas when you're writing a post, if we're specifically talking about writing a post, you're doing it on one platform. In order to amplify it and get it more like distributed online, you have to create different formats of that content. And you have to decide. That's really where it is. You have to decide, do I have the bandwidth to do this? And is it going to get me the best return? Because it may not. Trying to turn it into a podcast and a thread on Twitter and like on Instagram and then jumping into like a clubhouse room is just, it's very disjointed. Like you are going to be spending 
more than 24 hours just trying to even get to those points and it not be worth it. Whereas in this case, you are saying, you know, the podcast and the live stream is my, what I like to call my North Star. And it's already going to be distributed in multiple places using a tool. And then I can decide after that point where else I need to publish it and distribute it. That's a lot easier path than just saying like, okay, I need to be on Instagram and I need to be on Clubhouse. And, and like, you have no way of distributing that in a clean way, like too much work, <laughs> too much unnecessary work, I should say. Not too much work, but too much unnecessary work. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was the applause sound. <laughs> that, I mean, it's awesome. It's So that's actually, I think the key word, right? Unnecessary work because mm -hmm. all this stuff does take time. But, yeah. um, but how do you get the most return out of your um, out of your time and also your investment to an extent? So that's kind of, you know, I like that. Um, so here's Jeffrey. Jeffrey on Amazon says, and guys, you can leave comments. I'm trying to monitor monitoring them. Um, it does take a little bit of time because um, because uh, we get all these different networks. So Jeffrey says, mm -hmm. so this is a lesson on how to spam people. So I don't, I think he might be referring to the create once publish everywhere model. Absolutely not. I'm a big believer in people. First of all, most every content that I think we're talking about to an extent is, you know, people find it SEO, for example, you know, yeah. so it's giving them an answer when they need it. I'm not, I wasn't even thinking about, um, I wasn't even thinking about uh, email, for example. Yeah. True, true. Yeah, not spamming at all. Spamming is when you're sending it to people who don't really care and are not your audience. Um, if you are creating content and SEO is involved, which you should definitely optimize content for SEO on a blog or a website, then someone's going to find it when they need that answer or they need to find that solution. They're not finding it at the wrong time. They're finding it exactly when they need it. As far as distributing your content, amplifying it, the thing about that and the reason it's important is because people don't remember what they may have read 10 minutes ago, a day ago, <laughs> push right. it further out. Like people, we all need reminders. So if you created a piece of content, you're actually doing yourself a disservice by only sharing it once. And so, yeah. again, if you're sharing it where your audience is, you're staying top of mind. And then they will, again, click on that link, watch that, you know, listen to the podcast, watch that replay of the live stream when they need it. But by sharing it, you're promoting it and keeping it top of mind. So, again, when they need to find it, they're like, oh, you know, I need to check out Kristoff's podcast because I keep seeing this right. topic and now I really want to look into it. You know, you're not spamming them especially if you're only talking to your audience. So if you're not, it's <laughs> a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really honestly know what Jeffrey exactly was referring to. I assume that's what, that's kind of what, what's hard sometimes, right? Because mm -hmm. so we're speaking to each other when we're live streaming and then there's about a 20 second delay before it goes to the different networks. And then if people leave a comment, that's going to be another, you know, 20 seconds later, probably. So Fair. it's, it's really kind of hard sometimes, but I am not a fan of spamming anybody. Um, I am a fan of making the most use of my content, getting in front of people where it matters and and where it might interest them. I mean, I know it myself. I'm looking at some of these ads I'm getting on Facebook all the time. I mean, all, like, you know, look, I, you know, I got like 29 hats lying around in my office 
because they keep sending me ads to buy new hats. And if I like them, I really like this kind, you know, where they, it's just like this and yeah. it just makes my bald head a little bit warmer. So when it comes to, how do you know that you hit the right level of specificity? I mean, like what's the, um, you know, is it a word? I mean, I, I do have a word count goal, quite frankly. I know John Mueller's, Mueller says you don't need to write long, but sure. I always feel like if I'm writing short, I might miss something. So if I'm trying to hit a certain word range just to mm -hmm. kind of um, set a goal for myself, right? Yeah. Because I think of it like this. If I set a goal for myself to walk or run three miles, I'm going to get something out of it. Like even right. if I go right. slow, exactly. right? Yeah. So if I'm writing 1,500 words, there will be a certain level of specificity in there mm -hmm. because I can't write 1,500 words without saying anything. Correct. <laughs> you can't. You can't. <laughs> I hope you can't. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> so what, I mean, I don't know if you remember the question. I asked it way earlier in my little monologue there. So mm -hmm. what's, how do you know, like, how can you, how can you stress getting the right level of specificity? Is it, you know, set yourself a goal or, or set mm -hmm. yourself a time goal every day, you know, produce content for this amount of time. If you do live streams, you know, I make it set myself a goal, you know, up to one live stream a day. I don't really do that right now anymore, but, you know, uh, a few a week. Yeah. I would, as far as like the cadence, I would actually set the cadence to match what your audience can handle. There is that point we're talking about, you know, if you're going to do a live stream like every day, depending on your audience, that's great. And in some cases, that's just overwhelming. So if you're going to do a cadence, you need to really, again, back to the beginning, understand who your audience is, because you don't want to overwhelm them either. That's when they start feeling like you're spamming them, or you're just like, you're just sending them so much information, they cannot process it. And that could actually drive them away from your content. Now, when we're talking about a blog post, for example, Having a good, like a benchmark, like 500 to 600 words is not a bad idea. It's similar to if I'm working out and I'm like, I'm going to work out for 30 minutes each day to reach my goal. I'm going to push and work for that 30 minutes. And I might find that there are better exercises for me to do in that training session, which will get me to my goal. Same thing as a blog post. You might find that, you know, I'm, if I just say, I'm going to sit here and do nothing, then you're just going to probably do nothing or only write like what we call thin content. Whereas if you like push yourself to reach this goal, this benchmark of 600 words, you might find more specific things you can add or more things that would provide value that you may have missed out on if you're just like, I'll just write what I feel like. You know what I mean? And again, if you just write what you feel like, that's not specific content. <laughs> like it's not, it's about you <laughs> at that point. Um, so I think it really just depends on the format. Again, with podcasts, the cadence of live streams, you know, make sure you're doing it in a way that is not overwhelming for your audience and with blog posts send a benchmark you know fill it with valuable content and then stop when there's no mm -hmm. more value to add yeah it's very true set yourself a goal go after it and go for it and, you know we do the mm -hmm. same thing on the live streams here so what i'm doing is so i want us to get to 30 minutes right and then once we hit because so let's say the first 12 minutes you share a lot of good stuff and i could have been like oh i already learned more than i do on many many other shows done Right. But that's not a good goal for a live stream, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, I try to get to 30 minutes. And then at 30 minutes, I look around and see how the numbers are looking. So like Amazon was ticking up and I still had more questions. 
but the numbers were going up. So I was like, well, we, we're going to keep going because people are really tuning in, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then at some point you certainly uh, wrap it up. But that's, you know, you, you, yeah. you have to kind of make an, uh, a set a good goal, go after it and still try to provide value. If you're just talking right. about nothing, why is anybody going to watch or why is anybody going to read? So, um, yep. Awesome. Hey, Tamara Sykes, you can connect with her. Um, Her link is in the show notes, um, also on Twitter. And uh, really appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Um, Good luck creating specific content for clients and really appreciate you making the time. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. You bet. And how do people reach out to you? You do you do take clients or no currently? I do take clients. I mean, I actually do probably too much, but um, I take clients or if I am not the best fit, I will refer you to someone who does take clients for you. So just reach out to me. Twitter is actually the easiest way. So feel free. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. Until next time. storytelling podcast please rate review and recommend our show to your friends and co-workers until next time that's a wrap thanks for tuning in please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels and don't forget to share this episode with your networks we appreciate you until next time let the best stories win